Okay, this class, like we say every week, it's in memory of Jared Olchen. We are on page 248. This week we're going to read two parshas in the synagogue. Should have more books on now, but I don't know. No, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine. and Gdoshim. Achreimot speaks about the death of the two sons of Aaron. Then it speaks about the loss of Yom Kippur. Then it speaks about uh, non-legitimate uh, marriages. Then we will go to Gdoshim. Gdoshim is the next parsha, the second parsha that we read this week. And it speaks about, maybe they think it's uh, somebody probably took a few books, one of the teachers or something, somebody put somewhere else yeah, a few books. Because we have 15 of each. Um, we'll read from, we'll start, what's the name Gdoshim? What's Gdoshim? Holiness. Holiness. Now we will ask a question, and people who are in another class should not answer. <laughs> I couldn't imagine who that might be. <laughs> oh, well. Kdoshim. What means to be holy? Part of it is separation, part oh. of it is being above and beyond. Hello. Being above and beyond, being separation. What means to be separated? What means above and beyond? Very good. He, I do, I nailed it. Kdoshim is an order, because people say, oh, to, to do this mitzvah, then it's written clearly. Don't look for more books, because there are none. Oh, okay. Just... Thank you. But, um, I don't know where all the books disappear. Read half an hour. Then Kdoshim means, to be, to be holy means to go the extra mile. That's what Kdoshim is. When you say about Hashem, then God is Kadosh. Is separated, is elevated. God is expecting from us to be a little higher, to hold ourselves to a higher standard. It's not a specific mitzvah, do this or don't do this. Doshi means separate yourself. You can do it, everybody else is doing it. Not because there is ice cream on the table, it means that I have to eat it. It's kosher, it's good, it's okay, it's not strong from anybody. It's available, you can use it. It doesn't, that, that all of this doesn't yet mean that I need to eat it. Gdoshi means you are asking from your children to hold themselves to a higher standard. When your children tell you, but everybody else is doing it. Well, I don't care what everybody else is doing. You are my child. God is telling us the same thing. Everybody else is doing it, tell God. God says, I don't care what everybody else is doing. You are Gdoshim. You have to hold yourself to a higher standard. That's what Gdoshim is. To hold yourself to a higher standard. Now, today I was thinking a little bit about that. In the parish of Gdoshim, which mitzvahs are mainly written in? Between men and God or between men and men? Isn't this strange? You would think to be holy would be to pray five hours and to control ourselves not to eat all the food that I want, and to control myself, and I do not allow myself all the desires that I want. Should be the mitzvahs would make sense. It would be the mitzvahs to, not only to keep Shabbos, all the mitzvahs may got to put in film, and keeping kosher, and family purity laws, and, gay, and going to the mikveh five times a day. I mean, that should be Kdoshim, right? To be holy. Which mitzvahs are in Kdoshim? All the mitzvahs between men and men. Do not steal. Honor your parents. Love your fellow Jew. 
The first one, isn't it like the parent one? Fear your, fear your mother? Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. Do not keep a grudge. Don't take revenge. Obviously, being holy has a different meaning than what we think. Who do you think a holy person is? He calls with a big shtreimel, and he's a holy man. He prays all day. Who do people think he's holy? He prays all day. You know what? Obviously, God has another understanding of holiness. Holiness is when you give away yourself, you give yourself <coughs> for somebody else. That's what holiness is. Holiness when you think less about yourself and you give space for order. That's what God, what's God? When you say God is holy, what is he doing? He gives. He gives and gives and gives and gives. God is a giver. In the world, in life, there are givers and takers. The G's and the T's. <laughs> if you look good, you look around yourself and you see. In every family, in every community, in every, everywhere, in every business, there are the givers and the takers. And it's very clear. God is a giver. We want to be like God. God is holy. We should be holy. We should be giving. All the mitzvahs between men and men and the main, the, the title of the parsha is love your fellow like yourself. That means gdoishim. To love somebody like yourself, oh, that takes a lot of holiness. Regular people don't do it. Even holy people who pray a whole day don't do it. Actually, sometimes they are worse even. But not more. At least for sure not bad. It doesn't make you necessarily love your fellow more. Holiness is a whole different understanding. Then now we'll go to start a little bit from inside just to get into it. And we'll see where is this taking us. <coughs> and we'll start from here. Okay. Not to start. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, Speak to the entire congregation of B'nai Yisrael and say to them, You shall be holy. For I, Hashem, your God, am holy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead, okay. question. Uh, in what respect are we to be like God in holiness? Because some people have said that this you know, indicates that we have to be to a very high standard. We have to be almost on God's level. Mm, um, other people have said we can only do it to a hu the human extent. Obviously. You're talking about loving your fellow Jew, or you're talking in general this concept? Be holy. Be holy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the God is unlimited. Then always you can go more and more and more. Then the, to say like being almost on God's level doesn't really. You're never on God's level. You're always trying more. What today? What yesterday was holy for today? It's not holy enough. And tomorrow <coughs> will not be enough what I am today. A person is on a journey, he has to constantly grow. And every day he has to grow in, in, in his holiness. If he doesn't become holier, he becomes less holy. It's on a mountain. Or you're going up or you're going down. You don't get stuck and you cannot be stuck in the same spot. Being holy, the more I think about it, being holy, giving, away, giving things, making, loving somebody else, that's holiness. That's true holiness. That's the hardest thing to do. It's much easier to pray a whole day than to do a favor to somebody else. I can tell you that. To give in, not all the grudge. Not to, oh, if he, if I, he fought at me and he made me and he told me. That's, what, that's the reality. That being holy means to try to be like God. Being like God. Can you Hashem? Be holy because I'm holy. Learn from me, basically. 
how are we to compare ourselves in that sense? I mean, again, God is unlimited and we're very limited. Then obviously, as I said before, what the, the, mission, the, the Talmud says, God is visiting the sick, we should visit the sick. How do we know that God visited the sick? Abraham. Abraham came in, right? <laughs> God there buried the dead, we should bury the dead. How do we know that God buried the dead? Will we bury it? Moshe. Very nice, Moshe. God, um, well, there is more there. God uh, is doing, is doing kindness. Clothed naked. Ka- uh? Clothed naked. Clothe naked. Are we clothed naked? Very good. Adam and Eve. That's how we learn to be like God. Being like God. What is this? Yeah. So it's being holy. Imitating God then? Emulating God. <laughs> Not imitating, emulating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trying to go in God's ways. Are you hot, guys? No? Okay. I just don't want anybody to fall asleep here because I'm a little hot and I don't maybe. <laughs> I don't okay. want you to fall asleep. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be a little dangerous. <laughs> That's what it means to be holy. Any other questions about holiness? I'll get there. Huh? No, saying wouldn't look good on the video if you fall asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll call this piece out. <laughs> Amen. Number three. Top of the page. A man, mm-hmm. you shall fear his mother and father and keep my Sabbaths. Now that's a that's between men and God. That one. Uh, really, know? really, a man should fear his mother and father. Between men and God, or between men and men, between his him and his father. Sabbath. It's like honor. It's like close to the fifth uh, commandment. No. Yeah, it's very close to the fifth commandment. That why we repeat ourselves. The fifth commandment is men and God. Fifth commandment's what? The not, yeah, the fifth commandment. It's, it's ca- categorized it's on that yeah. side of the... On the side, so, but it's, it's honoring so, your father and mother. mother I'm not talking mother. about God. I'm talking but about your father is, and mother. But this is, just, this is fear your mother and father, oh, not honor difference. your father Then what's the difference between honor and fear? No? Go ahead. Don't be afraid. Well, first of all, I believe the sequence is... is oh, the order is... Yeah, yeah it's different. Yeah, it's flipped around. Because so you, 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 you grow up, you fear your father. Right. And you, and you honor your Naturally, mother. Naturally, you honor so, your mother, so, so yes. So that's why it's... Then the Torah tells you your weaker side. Usually a person honors his mother more than the Torah puts the father before the mother. Usually a person fears his mother more, I mean, uh, fears his father more, therefore the Torah puts the mother before the father. But what does this mean to honor your parents? What does it mean to fear your parents? interesting because because the the phrase that used to be used which you rarely hear used now is a god-fearing person yeah a god-fearing man what's a god-fearing man um well abraham uh, are you talking about a person are you talking are you asking for like a definition concept and definition yeah the uh, well the the concept of fear is that you're scared that's a very low fear right Thinking mm-hmm. about that's a good, important thing to understand. Fear God. What does this mean to fear God? That is going to beat you up? You're not really fearing God. You're fearing the punishment. The consequence of separation. The consequence. No. Wait a second. A simple level of meaning fear. If you fear God, means if you fear the punishment, you are not fearing God. You're fearing the punishment. You're the boss. I don't want to get in, 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 get in trouble with you. I don't fear you. I don't, I don't respect God. I feel the consequences. Yeah. That's bad news. That's a, it's, it's a level. You need, a begi- you need to start somewhere. That's a beginning. The higher level is to fear God, to respect God. Like awe is the term. The awe of God. How could I not do what he's asking for me to do? 
let's take it borrow it to the parents. That when you are three years old, you're afraid of your father. But what do you do when you are 15, your father is 19, who is, who is afraid of whom? Your father is when you're afraid of your father, they'll beat you up. You're afraid of the consequence of the punishment? You're not afraid of punishment. Fear God means to respect God. To respect your, fearing your parents means to respect your parents. <coughs> then what does this mean to honor your parents? That's to take, to take care of them. Oh, Corey remembers. That means to honor your parents means to take care of your parents. Very hard mitzvah to do. There is a saying, <laughs> two, two parents can raise ten children. Ten children cannot take care of two parents, and I can be <laughs> a testimony for this. <laughs> <laughs> then it's the, the idea is that we, uh, to take care of your parents. It's written, that's why it's written in Ten Commandments. such an important mitzvah. It's written in Ten Commandments. Here it's written about respecting your parents. You're not allowed to interrupt them. You're not allowed, they have no idea what they're talking about, even when it's true, especially when it's true. But you have to, res you have to respect them. That's what the Torah is saying this in, in this week's portion. It's actually the Ten Commandments in the reverse way in this week's. And then the Torah says you have to observe the Shabbos. The Rashi says if, the to if, if, if uh, your father tells you to violate the Shabbos, you're not allowed to, you're, you're not allowed to listen to him. Because he is also obligated to observe, to observe God's laws. Your father and you, both of us, are, are obligated to listen to God. On the other hand, as much as it is important to observe the Shabbos, as much as it's serious, the mitzvah of observing Shabbos, that's how serious the mitzvah is of honoring your father and mother. And look here, it's written in the Ten Commandments. What's written first, Shabbos or honoring your parents? Shabbos. Shabbos. In the Ten Commandments, Shabbos is before the Ten Commandments. Here is the, is, the, is the parents before Shabbat. To show you that it flips. It's that equally important. Because both of them, why is, the question is, why is the honoring your father made it to the five between men and God? There is the two tablets. One tablet is between men and God. One tablet is mitzvahs between men and men. The fifth commandment is honoring your parents in the wrong list, so to speak, because it's between men and men. Why is this made it? Why honoring your parents made it to the it, higher list? Is it? I'm trying to think of this as the one that has a that God's a partner with the with the mother and father in, so, the, in the birth of a child. Or not? It's true. This is true. Absolutely. But doesn't. But why is this? Why did they say honoring God should be there? Parents are kind of the model of God. You know, oh, what honor. does this mean? Well, uh, they function in, in that capacity. They're, they're creators. They uh, play a role in, in guiding and directing. Oh. They are the representatives. Who gives over the tradition? Any child who usually rebels against his parents rebels against Judaism. Then really, the parents are a part of between God and, and man. They are the representative of God to this child. God entrusted them to raise a Jewish child. Then honoring your parents is, is, is a securing the survival of the Jewish tradition. If you honor your parents, you'll be a man, you'll listen, you'll be more traditional, so on. In our generation happened something that's like messianic time, it's written. Then the children will rebel the, against their parents in a good way, where the parents are not traditional, and the children go back and bring the parents with them. It's written that there is a prophecy, Ve'yishiv lev banim alavotam. 
He will bring the children, God will bring back the children, they will bring the parents. They will return their parents to Judaism. And that happened in our generation. But usually, forever, a child rebelled against his parents, rebelled against the religion, and went together. In any case, that's, that's two mitzvahs. Now we know what to do. We'll skip here a few things, and we will go. Yeah. Why is the Ten Commandments, in, a, in essence, repeated here? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> explanations and it's, it's it's a different it's a different twist of twist and twist to the Ten Commandments exactly I mean it, it emphasizes you know obviously the Ten Commandments because we see it really three times we see it in Exodus we see it in Deuteronomy yeah, we that, see it no here. then there, that's the two sets official sets yeah. it is like a different twist of it but, but mm -hmm. this but this one has and I'm not sure if the Ten Commandments is this one has after quite a few of these commands whatever it says and I and you shall fear me or I am, I am the Lord your God it's you know it repeats itself and you've said before that that means that even if you don't see what I'm doing you're right but it's in the Ten Commandments it's written in the beginning oh it is yeah oh the beginning I am God right mm -hmm. that's the introduction right I know that but not all the no, other no. the moment you establish that I am God everything then <laughs> everything suddenly makes sense <laughs> we will go to page <coughs> two 54. <coughs> Number 11. You shall not steal. You shall not deny a rightful claim. And each one of you shall not lie to each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, there is so much to talk to. <laughs> you shall not steal. First of all, you know, it's written already in the Ten Commandments do not steal, right? What's the difference? Well, some interpretations, one's kidnapping in the Ten Commandments, and here it's property. Yeah, the Ten Commandments speaks about human beings, not about money. Do not commit adultery is about people. Do not kill is about people. The do not steal is do not kidnap. That's what do not steal of the Ten Commandments is. Even it's good that people should think that do not steal in the Ten Commandments is about not stealing money, but really the not stealing in the Ten Commandments, according to most commentators, is, is about kidnapping, stealing people. Here it talks about money. <coughs> but if you look good, how it's written in the Ten Commandments in Hebrew? How it's written here and how it's written in the Ten Commandments? Here it's written, Lot Ignovu. In the Ten Commandments it's written, Lot Ignovu. What's the difference? Lai Signoivu. Martel. Uh, it's plural. Yeah, you heard yesterday. It's plural. <laughs> Lotignov is, is individual. You know, the Ten Commandments, the old Ten Commandments is written in, in singular, not in plural. God spoke, really God spoke to every individual in Israel. Actually, that has a good side to it. God spoke to Moses and came to the, to the, to the golden calf Moses turned to God and says, what do you want from them? You spoke to me. They overheard the conversation. You spoke to individuals, right? Everything is to one. Then what do you want to the Jews? You didn't talk to them. But really, God spoke to every individual. Here it's in plural. is in plural. You should not steal. You know, to important people, you speak in plural. You ever you understand the concept? We decided, you know, very important people speak about themselves as plural. 
we, the government, we, especially in Ibu, in Yiddish, it goes even better. That God says, you should not steal. <laughs> not only the regular people, but the important people. It's a special order to the important people. But really, it means, it's, but it's interesting that it's a plural, not in singular. Then he says, do not deny a rightful claim. And then he says, do not lie. Not allowed to lie, simple. Where is written you should stay away from a lie? Midvar Sheker Tirchok. I'm not telling. There's a posuk in the Torah, you should stay away from a lie. Not only not lie, you should remove yourself from a lie as far as, far is, as possible. Is that where you build a fence around the Torah and around your, or not to associate with bad neighbors, something to that effect? Could be. I don't remember myself where is the verse is. Midvar Sheker Tirchok. I don't remember if it's in uh, Exodus or in, I don't remember where it is. In any case, it's written, here it's written, you're not allowed to lie. Not only it's written, not allowed to lie, in another place it's written, you have to remove yourself. It shouldn't be even, you're not allowed to imply something that's not true. Let's say you're not allowed to borrow somebody else's car to go to an important meeting to show off that people should think that you're a big macher. Oh, he came with a car, he with a Rolls Royce. We can make deals with him, he's a big, a big macher. You're not allowed to give people the wrong Impression. impression. They should they should think about you something that you are not. We've got a number of examples, you know, where Abraham is. Uh, you know, uh, mm, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. Told, we're told to lie to our spouses to keep the peace. Oh, and all oh, kinds of oh, things. oh, 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 oh! Every rule is an exception. <laughs> <laughs> What's the exception? When the morality, of, when peace and truth are contradicting themselves. You choose peace over truth. That's the rule. That was Aaron's oh, strong. Very good. Moses was truth. <coughs> Moses laid down the law. Aaron was peace. Moses, when Aaron died, Moses, so to speak, said, learn from Aaron. Be like Aaron. Don't be like me. That's why the Pirkei Avot says, in Ethic of Our Father says, be of the disciples of Aaron. Love, peace, and pursue peace, right? Love the people and bring them closer to the Torah. Actually, what's from this parasha? Then when peace and, and, and truth are contradicting themselves, and usually they are contradicting themselves, mm -hmm. usually. I can never saw a peaceful agreement with true, and I, can, I cannot see anywhere it's truth there is peace. It just doesn't go together. It's not a world of truth in this. It's very hard to combine these two. In this case, you go with peace. But in general, it's about your own business. You, can, you, can, you cannot lie. You're not allowed to lie. You're not allowed to even give an impl impression. Nothing. No implications of anything that's not true. You have to be very careful with it. People, it's a law that's a very, very strong, important law. You're not allowed to do it. But, go ahead. Related to that, mm -hmm. I was listening to a lecture on this. The person speaking said that there is actually a, a rule in Jewish law that you can't own a scale that doesn't keep correct weights. I mean, mm -hmm. you don't have mm -hmm. to use it. If it's in your basement, mm -hmm. in a box, mm -hmm. it's forbidden. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is very true, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and 
Is there anything else like that? I'm, I'm trying to think of anything else you're just forbidden to own. You can own a lot of stuff in Judaism, but... Yeah, because somebody could make a mistake with it. That's why. You can lead to somebody else lying and, and, and scale. Yeah. You're not allowed to own a scale. This is true. Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, you can own everything, right? But you, can, you cannot own something that can make another person make a mistake. You will think if it's in your house, obviously the scale is a truth scale. That's the right measurement. That's the weight scale. The weight scale. It's off. <laughs> so you already weigh 10 pounds less. Oh, you want weight scale? <laughs> <laughs> That's a little different. This is a law. I'm not sure if this is a law because you're lying that, to yourself. That, that gets to the truth piece. Yeah, that's the piece. Exactly. <laughs> Depends who is using the scale, you or your wife. <laughs> that's a question. But, you know, years ago I worked for a guy at the West Side Market downtown Cleveland. And him, I shouldn't talk bad, many of the stands around wherever you bought meat or potatoes, vegetables, whatever. They would throw the stuff on the scale, and there was always something that didn't belong there <laughs> on the scale, too. You see, that's, that's why the Torah, the Torah doesn't speak about angels. The Torah speaks about human beings. Right. We, need to be, <laughs> uh, we need to be honest. The next law is number 12. You shall not swear falsely by my name, profaning the name of your God. Uh, I am Hashem. You shall not withhold the wages of your fellow Jew and you shall not rob, it shall re not remain overnight the wages of a day laborer, keeping it in your possession until morning. It means to say if you're supposed to give a person a salary, you, you, you're not allowed to hold it, but you, you must give it to him on time. Is there any significance to the order? I presume there is. Uh, I mean, they, they, you should some, you know, some pretty strong wage laws that are coming right after don't profane the name of God. I mean, after That's written after profaning yeah. the name of God. Mm -hmm. Exactly, but I mean, it's pretty close. In oh, yeah, that's right. profaning the name of God. Absolutely, it's profaning the name of God. That's a question if you don't do the right thing. Number 14. You shall not curse a deaf person and before a blind person. You shall not place a stumbling block. You shall fear your God. I am Hashem. Why cannot we cannot uh, curse a deaf person? Because they can't hear them. So why shouldn't I? If it doesn't care, it doesn't defend fault. themselves. Yeah. Because it's champion here. Because it's a, it's because a death, it's death actually, deformation. From the simple, the person, it's not about the person. Every human being is the image of God. You curse a person. Why are we not allowed to hang a person? Because the image of God is hanged, right? Then you, you, every person is a crea creation of God. Who are you to curse a creation of God? So because you cannot hear, therefore what? I mean, actually it's more because you cannot hear, we have to, we have to defend them even more. Then he says you cannot put a stumbling blood in front, of, in front of a blind person, as we mentioned many times. It's not only in the literal sense. It's also in the figurative sense. If somebody comes to ask you a business question and you don't want them to do this business and you give them the wrong advice, that's you commit the sin. And therefore, you have, when, he's come, <coughs> when it's a stumbling block in front of a... In this issue, is blind, you're not allowed to do it. Doesn't make a difference what the issue is. It's it makes complicated issues about Shabbat with people who are, you know, they, they don't mind to not to observe Shabbat and you and you know that it's not allowed. You cannot tell them to do it. You cannot even make them, you cannot cause them to do it. And he says of all of this, you should be afraid of you should be fearful of God because God knows the truth. 
258. You shall not commit injustice in judgment. You shall not favor a poor man. And you shall not show honor to a powerful man with righteousness. Shall you judge your fellow Jew? It means to say like this. Some people say a judge is sitting. Two people are coming to him. One is poor. One is rich. And the judge is a liberal. says, oh, I love the poor. I'll take, take care of them. It's true that the poor owes the rich money, but he's rich anyway. We'll make him, make him, uh, we'll say that he's okay, that he's allowed to you to, it's the money belongs to him and we'll save him. Instead, we should have to beg for money. You're not allowed to do it, even not for a cent. If this money belongs to the rich, he has to give it back. Then you can ask him for a charity. But whatever belongs, the truth has to be the truth. You cannot twist the truth to make, to favor one person or the other. The other side is somebody who favors the rich, the powerful. And he says, oh, this is a famous rabbi. Oh, this is a famous, the biggest donor <coughs> in the community. What are you going to embarrass him because of $5? We'll say that he's right. Later, I'll go and I'll tell him secretly, give him $5. The truth is that he's right, but I just didn't want to embarrass you. You're not allowed to do that either. And you know, this is a very hard, challenging mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the person supports the old Jewish community? He comes to the rabbi for a court. For a, he has a... He has a Disagreement with one of the, one of the, yeah, and the rabbi thinks in himself, if I make him upset, all community will suffer, and the hospital will not get the money, and the, the, the nursing home will not have this, and the cemetery will not have this, and this guy, big deal, he loses a few dollars. You're not allowed to do it, and it's a very, very challenging uh, commandment for people who are in these positions. Can you, can you throw in the, 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 the peace card on that? Peace card, peace, no, no, no. Peace is if both of them agree to make a deal. Jewish law encourages the rabbis to make <coughs> deals, to make a pshara, it's called. What's called a pshara in English? Um, uh, middle, a uh, compromise. Let's make it. You'll get your, your $100, give him 50 let's make a deal. Yeah, Jewish law encourages it. If both of them agree, but if they disagree, to lie to one, to twist the law, just to make the other person look good, that's not allowed. But I think what you're talking, I think what we were talking about before is lying in the, you know, the lying in, in peace. And now I th- what you're talking about, as I understand it, is the balance between um, compassion or mercy and judgment. No, that's not even compassion. That's the judgment. When you come to the court, it has to be the truth. Right, no, no. But I mean the poor man, the rich man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's compassion. You, know, you have compassion for the poor. Um, you cannot you have say, compassion you know, in the wrong way, in the wrong time. The, yeah, but I mean if the, uh, you know, something happened, uh, I don't know, the poor man, uh, you know, his car slipped on the ice and hit the rich man's car. You know, a compassion says he's a rich man. Why should the, it wasn't the poor man's fault. Why should he have to pay? But judgment says, wait a minute. You know, the the rich man's car was hit. The poor man has to pay. So, I mean, there's no real right answer here. No, there is a right answer. No, no, the right answer is the balance. No, no, he has to pay. Later, you can ask the rich man to forgive him. But what's the law? The law, the truth, the law is the law. Okay. There is a right answer. The law is the law. Later, you can ask, you can make a fundraiser and help him. You can come to the rich man and tell him, shame on you, you're collecting the money from him. But the law is the law. 
You cannot, or if, if they come to court and both of them, and the rabbi is able to convince both of them to make a deal, that's a different story. That's even better. That's encouraged. In general, today, the, the bait deans are trying always to find a middle, middle, middle ground, try to make it work, not to cut, cut it through, and no matter what, we'll go, we'll pursue the truth. But if the two parties do not want to make an agreement, then he has to, he has to, he has to come to the truth, to the, say the truth. Yeah, he cannot twist it. 16. Do not be a, a tail-bearer among your people. You shall not stand... Oh, what does this mean? Yeah. Gossiper? A gossiper. This is a repeat of, of like last uh, week almost. I don't remember last week. A lot week. of... A lot Are of you talking about last week was leprosy? But Last week in the Torah it. was written about leprosy. Well, the commentaries talked about it, the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here it's written about actually, gossiping. It's not, but it's not actually the same because... The, there is Loshenore and there is Rechilos. Yeah. What's the difference? Very good, no? Go ahead. But, um, I, th- it, I mean, the, you can... There are other things you can dishonor. I mean, you could get the, the, the problems with. It's a, it's a matter of respect in different ways. Rechilos you know? is what? Evil talk? No. Uh, What's you said Rechilut is going around and, t- and spreading stories about you. <coughs> Lashon Hora is bad, is bad slander. Here, Rechilus is not even bad necessarily. Yeah. Speaking about other people. But it's not just the people either. I mean, you could get it for for almost anything, couldn't what you? What do you mean? Rechilus? No, not Rechilus. Talking about the, now... Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, not, let's not go there. Let's not even oh, go there. I thought you meant that. Probably. was last week. <laughs> <laughs> we will not go to, to, to leprosy. Then we cannot go around and tell stories about other people. Simple. And usually it's for sure com- combined with, with, with gossip. That's where we create a problem. But you know, even saying good things about other people, they can put them in trouble. The Talmud brings an example. You went to somebody, you went to another town, and the other person hosted you beautifully. You go to everybody, say, this guy is such a good host, go to him. Before long, there's 20 guys are knocking on his door. Put him out of business. Then even saying good, if it cause, it's going to cause a person trouble, it's also not allowed. And usually, you know how the gossip starts. It starts with good, then ends with bad. Mm-hmm. I mean... <coughs> Talking about people, not gossip, talking about people. In America, there is even a very special way. It starts like this. I really like this guy. I know already. <laughs> what comes next? Bye. Bye. When it's such a nice introduction, you know, in Ibu, nobody gives you such a nice introduction. They just say, as it's bad, they start to start the gossip straight. No messing around. In America, it took me a while to understand what's going on, to understand how people talk. I really like this guy. I stay right on you. Yeah, so <laughs> what comes next? <laughs> the compliment comes before the, 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 the bad thing. Then you then that's what the Torah says. You're not allowed with I really like to start. Don't talk about this guy, even the nice things. You don't need it. You don't need your compliments. Just don't go there. Plus it, it can cause you sense the, the evil eye a little bit. That's another story. Then the Torah says you shall not stand idly when the blood Life of your fellow is in danger. What does this mean? If a person's in distress, it's a problem. You have to th- you have to try to save him. Then Rashi says and gives an example: You shall not stand to be to be old is dead when you are able to save him. As for example, one who, drown, who drown, is drowning in a river, 
or a wild beast or a rubber attacks him. You see another person is drowning in a river. You have to jump into the water. If you can swim. Very good point. If you can swim. If you don't know how to swim, don't. Because you will die. You will not help him. But if you know how to swim, jumping into to save somebody, it's also a risky thing because it could pull you down. Then the Torah tells you, you have to take upon yourself a small risk to save a life. You have an obligation. You cannot stand and see the blood of your, of your, of your the other person die and say, oh, what should I do? I couldn't help him. <laughs> he was dying. You know what today's custom is? What do they do when they see somebody drowning? Just do it to video. Throw him a rope. No, video. Oh, no. call 911? No, it's video. video. Uh, we put it on YouTube. Video and, uh, the tragedy. The video, and the video, the tragedy. And I've been many times, many times lately, in Israel and other places, everybody takes this video. That <laughs> he should be the first one to get a scope. Instead of doing something. That's what the Torah says. understand. Now, what does this mean in a spiritual sense? I remember the Rebbe once spoke about it for a long lecture. Then after he finished the literal sense, he says, you see your friend drowning. Drowning in the world, getting lost from Judaism. You're not allowed to stand on the side and say, it's not my problem. <coughs> you have to jump into the, in the, into the waters, into the storming waters of life and save him. You cannot say, I have to protect myself. I want to be to live in, in Jerusalem and Mea Sharim and be comfortable. But I go to live in Alaska, in China, what I'm crazy. You have to take take even what you say it's risky for my children. My, they might not be so they might be affected by the world. Torah says you should take a small risk to save from a big risk. To save to save a life of another person. We cannot afford to be self-righteous, basically. Are there limitations on that for Kohens? So, for example, if, if the high priest were you know, about to go in for Yom Kippur uh, and, and somebody trips and falls and uh, is, is in trouble, is the high priest obligated to go save that person at that point? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So sure. saving life supersedes Absolutely. Everything. everything. By high priest, there is even a better example. It's written that the high priest, a, pri a priest, a Kohen, is not allowed to touch a dead body, right? Mm -hmm. Not that it will become impure. But it also but if, says... But if he goes if on the street... On the road and he finds And there is nobody else no there, be helpful. He has to... He has to become impure. Now, think about the high priest. He's on the way to the Holy of Holies. On the way, he's going, whatever. Usually, he didn't go out of the temple. Let's say he had an emergency. <laughs> and he left. And he walked back to... He's walking on Kippur morning. He's about to get... He's, the lifetime experience. And he sees a dead person on the road. No, there is nobody there. Whatever reason happened. Was a war. I don't know what happened. If he passes by the dead body and to run to the, to the Holy of Holies, it's not worthy of wandering the Holy of Holies. Even if you lose the whole opportunity, the moment he touches a dead body, will take him a whole process of purification. He cannot enter the Holy of Holies. This is more important. And if it's and the same thing, basically, if it's somebody that cannot help himself, you have to help him. How about, how about if there is a mitzvah to help the dead, how much more there is a mitzvah to help the living? <clears throat> you know, there was once a rabbi, he's still alive, his name is Tokeya, I think, Tokeya, something like this. He was busy with, uh, 
fixing cemeteries in Europe. Rabbi came to the Rabbi, the Rabbi told him, why you get busy with the dead? Why you not busy with the, life, with the living? <laughs> you have living Jews who need your help, fixing cemeteries? Don't worry! They're not running away, they're not going anywhere. They're living, living Jew, every living Jew you can save. The same thing was once a guy, he wanted to be, his father was a shochet, and the Rabbi sent his son to be a Chabad rabbi somewhere. He came to the Rabbi, he complained, he said, I want my son to be a shochet like me. The Rabbi told him, why should he deal with chickens if he can deal with people <laughs> it's all about priorities question I've never been able to understand this quite maybe you can help explain it to me everybody here has heard the term good Samaritan but most people don't know where the term comes from oh yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. just give you a very brief rundown of the New Testament story on this one because it plays into this right here uh, a priest and a Levite are walking on the road away from Jerusalem, and they pass by a guy who's been mugged, basically, who's in the ditch, who, who's desperate. Mm -hmm. And they basically keep going. Another guy, let's call him a Palestinian, walks by and says, this is terrible, this happens to this guy, takes care of him, pays for his medical bills, does everything else. And the Palestinian is called a good neighbor, and the priest and the Levite basically are condemned for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. And the Palestinian, let's call the Good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. We put it in kind of modern verbiage here. Okay. That's, that's the gist of the story. Okay, then what's the question? Well, the question <laughs> is, Jews get you know, a real bad rap for that in the New Testament, uh, for that story. But according to this, it, it, they should, you know, the priest and the Levite should be saved. And by the way, they call the Samaritans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who were the Samaritans? This, that's why I used the Palestinian example. To no, no, no. Let's talk. <laughs> let's go about okay. the Samaritans. Okay. Let's not talk about somebody else. Who the, were the Samaritans? The Samaritans were an imported group. The Assyrians kicked out the northern kingdom, brought in a, 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 a group of scabs. Let's call. Okay, them. let's talk in simple English. <laughs> there was an Assyrian king that is he, he conquered the world, and his policy was to remove people around, move neighbors. I mean. Uh, population exchanges. He moved the people from Solon to to Aachen, the people from Aachen to Solon. He moved people. Oh. But he did the same thing in Israel. He took the ten tribes and he exiled them. That's the ten lost tribes. He did it. And he brought instead a, a group from P of non-Jewish people. Okay, what happened to them? They came to Israel. And what happened? They adopted some of our ways. And Why they adapted? In the beginning, they didn't adapt anything. But then they were attacked by lions. Attacked by lions. That they felt that the gods of Israel are not happy because they don't serve the God of Israel. That they started, they converted to Judaism, but because they did it out of fear of the lions, that was not a true conversion. That was not that they were convinced that Judaism is the right religion. That they were always a little bit Jewish, a little not. It was a big mess with them. And actually the Jewish people suffered from them a lot. Over the years the Jewish people suffered from them a lot. For example, they, when the Alexander the Great came to conquer Jerusalem, they tried to convince him to destroy the Holy Temple. And more stories like this, that's what the, uh, Ezra or Nehemiah, when they built the second temple, they said, not for you and for us to build together the temple. The Jews didn't want the, the Samaritan to be a part of the temple. And they went to, Sem to Shomron, to Mount Grizim, and they built their own temple there that the Jews actually suffered a lot from the Samaritans in the, in the, at that time. Then that, that Samaritans were not good Samaritans, they were bad Samaritans. That the whole term is not a Jewish term. But 
in today's meaning, a good Samaritan means somebody who cares for another person. Then somebody who observes this law, they do not stand when you have to save your, save your, uh, your friend, is a good Samaritan. In today's language, is a good Samaritan. You understand what I'm saying? It's not necessarily... But yeah, I know that's the wrong thing. Number 17. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall certainly rebuke your friend. But you shall not bear a sin on his account. Okay. There are three things here. You should not hate your brother in your heart. Only publicly, not in your heart, not inside. <laughs> you should show it. You should show it with your hands. Privately. You cannot have a grudge, basically. You cannot hate somebody. If you have something to tell them, tell them. Let's put it on the table. Hmm. Now, this law, Ocher Tochir et Amitecha, you should rebuke your friend. What is to rebuke? Correct. Correct. That if you see a Jew who doesn't know anything about Judaism, you have to correct him. How you do that? How you do such a thing? Whatever the way it's needed. You have to accomplish the, the, the mission. It's not enough that you say, I came, I told him not to do it, and I left. It's written you have to do it even a hundred times. Not to scream a hundred times because you accomplish nothing. You have to make sure that the person will do the right thing. That all the outreach work, all the going out and bringing Jews back to Judaism is, could be based on this law. You have to make sure that your friend is doing the right thing, whatever it takes. Rebuke in English has a, has a very negative connotation to it. It's, it's like scolding someone. In, in I know. Ocher, uh, that's in Hebrew also, does not have the best. Uh, but it means you have to make sure that he's doing the right way. And you can do it positively or you can do it negatively. Usually negatively. No, negatively usually doesn't work. We all know. <laughs> you, might be, you might enjoy it that you skimmed on somebody. That's nice. But it doesn't work really. But it says you, you should certainly rebuke your friend. You don't have to rebuke your enemy. Not only, you, who can you rebuke somebody that you know will take it? Again, there is a famous example, a famous story of Levi Yitzchak about Dichev that, that just shows how he, how he rebuked, how, not the word rebuke, uh, not reprimand, the word is uh, correcting. In some places, you have to like fix your neighbor, fix your friend, or correct your friend, or bring him to his right behavior. The famous story with Rabbi Levi Yitzchak about Dichev was walking on the street on, on Yom Kippur, and he saw a Jew smoking on Yom Kippur. He told him, Rabbi, maybe you forgot that today's Yom Kippur. I said, no, Rabbi, I know. Maybe you forgot you're not allowed to smoke on Yom Kippur. He said, no, Rabbi, I know, I know. He turns to God and says, Father from Father in heaven, look what a wonderful children you have. Even a guy who smokes on Yom Kippur doesn't want to lie. <laughs> what does this mean? It's a nice story, and remember it all the way to you. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Baudicev wanted to remind the Jew, to tell the Jew that he, has, he, he shouldn't, that's not, he's not doing the right thing. But to come and scream at them that he's doing the wrong thing, not only will not accomplish anything, it will turn him off completely. And what he did, he did it in a loving way. Believe me, this story is remembered until today. We're still repeating the story. If you just meet this Jew and scream at him, you know how many people do it? We don't know them, we don't remember them. <laughs> Nobody wants to remember them. This is the way how you, how you remember, how you, how you rebuke somebody in a loving and a kind fashion. You're reminding him about the mitzvah, but you do it in the most loving way. Then comes number 18. Go ahead. 
You shall not take revenge or bear a grudge against the children of the people. Oh, that's painful. Let's stop right here. Do not take revenge. Okay, do not take revenge is already it's bearable, you know. Do not bear a grudge. You're not allowed to have any anger in your heart. And the Talmud brings the example, Rashi brings the examples, that if you borrowed for somebody, a car, let's say, and he didn't want to give you, 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 you were trying to ask him somebody for a car, and then he didn't want to give you, then, then he comes tomorrow and he, he, he's asking from you for the same thing, then and you give it to take, him. taking revenge means not to give it to him. Holding a grudge means, tell him, I'm not like you. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'm not like you. But let him get the car. You're not even allowed to do this. Who is the perfect example for this in Judaism? Joseph. 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 It's written in Tanya. It's written that Joseph, he paid with good for bad. The brothers sold him as a slave. They wanted to kill him. How he paid them? He paid them by saving their lives. They want to kill him. He saved them. Just the flip, the opposite of the same thing what they want to do to him. And he could take him as slaves. And he made sure that they are not slaves. And so on and on. That's the example that we learn. Then comes the is title it, of this parasha. Go ahead. Okay. Before we get there, yeah, lo- love your enemy. And that, is there any sense? Love your enemy? Where does this read? Well, <laughs> not in our Bible, anyway. The New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, I mean, we have that concept, uh, doing positive things, uh, as you're indicating, doing positive things for those who do negative things to us. A Jew cannot be your enemy. That's the point. You have to love your fellow. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure you have something against him, come and fix it. But with your enemy, you have to raise his uh, burden, if his horse is... If somebody, you always say enemy, somebody wants to kill you, what? If somebody wants to kill you, you have to save yourself. uh, Sure. Somebody I mean, wants to hurt you, you have to save yourself too. The concept, though, of doing positive things uh, for your enemies, as Joseph did. Uh, in his, they were his not his enemies at this point. <laughs> okay. No, I wanted his enemies. It's not, love your enemy doesn't mean they want to sell me as a slave. Yeah, go hard, guys. Huh? I love you. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> you have to prevent them from doing the wrong thing, but not hate them. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to go to jail, you have to put them in jail. It doesn't mean you have to hate them. That's the point. Mm-hmm. You, you, you prevent them from hurting other people, let's say. Somebody who is a, is a danger for the community. You have to lock him up. But I feel bad for him. You don't hate him. You understand? That's the difference. It's talking about the feelings he's talking about. Yeah. Let's put it in you know, the example that happened yesterday. I mean, you, you've got a bomber in Boston who's yeah, yeah, blowing yeah. the legs off of all these people. Yes, yes, Obviously yes, yes. very hard not, not to hate the, whoever this person is. But we're it's commanded. Not, it's not about no. eating. It's about taking care of them big time. You know why? To prevent the next terror attack. Number one. Taking care of big time. What's that mean? <laughs> <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> you know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that he cannot do the same thing again and to prevent the next terrorist. It's not about eight or tonight. Yeah, I remember after yeah. September 11, they called me from the newspaper. <laughs> Are you hating them? Are you loving them? That's all, that's all a bunch of garbage. Here is about protecting your life. You have to make sure that your life is being protected. Now that's not about hatred. We are not teaching for hatred, but you, but don't translate it the wrong way. We are here doing something to prevent the next terror attack. 
If you will punish him, the next one will be more afraid. I might be loving him, but I have to punish him just because of the, the, the next person. That's what I'm saying. It's not about feelings. It's about action. It's nothing about feelings. You might pray for them. They should become good people. All the guys are fine, but when you find the terrorists, you better put them in jail or even worse than that. Maybe that will prevent, first of all, prevent them from doing the same thing again and prevent another 100 people from, from having such ideas. It's a terrible thing, I mean. That's not what they are talking about. You understand? They're talking about a person. Let's not take it always to the Nazis or to the terrorists. They're talking about my neighbor who makes me really nervous, you know. Not about a guy. My cousin, my brother-in-law, my this, my aunt. Regular, humane, person to person. Then we say, you should follow, you should love, go ahead. You shall love your fellow Jew as yourself. Your fellow. That's it. Your fellow, you hear? Not your neighbor, your fellow Jew. What means to love your fellow Jew like yourself? What means to follow you love your fellow? What do you think? Martel, what do you think means to love your fellow Jew like yourself? Well, give them the benefit of the doubt. I... I can find myself being the good guy in a lot of situations. And maybe mm -hmm. some other people then how you, what's the difference how you treat yourself, how you judge yourself, and how you judge others? We judge ourselves based on our intentions, and we judge others based on their actions. That's nice, but that's not the only, thing, the only difference? No, but that's, that, I that's mean, certainly That's an interesting, interesting observation. We judge ourselves based on our <laughs> intention. That's very nice. And what we do when we when we, our intentions are wrong too, then how we judge ourselves? We still judge ourselves favorably. We no rationalize. Mm -hmm. Rationalize, right? Then, then what's, where is the, the source, the soul of the difference between judging others and judging yourself, between treating others and treating yourself? Unconditional. Conditional right. love or unconditional love? Yourself is unconditional. Others is conditional. Who else you have unconditional love to? Children. To your children, because it's you. That the Torah tells us something very hard to do. To love another Jew unconditionally. Impossible. How could I love another person unconditionally? Then how we reach there? What are you supposed to do? How we get to this level? You know, there is, like you said, many commentators, what means to love your fellow? What are the other commentators say? Well, go ahead. What, as to love or as to your neighbor? I mean, there's splits on both. <laughs> and to love, to love. Forget about the neighbor. Some, some, most love is action. Take care of them. Yeah. Here it talks about loving. Loving is more than just an action. Action is an expression of the love, but love is, is a feeling. Love your neighbor like yourself. Love your fellow like yourself means like you love yourself. No matter what you love yourself. Even when people say, but I hate myself. <laughs> For how long? For a second? Why you hate yourself and you don't hate me? Because you care for me. Because you love yourself. That's why you hate yourself. <laughs> you don't hate me because you don't love me. Then what means, how could we reach the love, how could we reach un unconditional love to another person? It's, a, it's an impossible thing. To start to think that everyone is like your child. Right? That's easy. There is once a, 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 a rabbi, a famous, I don't know, 
rabbi from a different community came to the rabbi and complained to the rabbi how mm. he is going out and doing outreach to people who are completely against Judaism and they and they are against and they are terrible and they are this and they are that. So the rabbi asked him, if your daughter, if your daughter would run away to California from the Hasidic community and leave everything, what would you do? Told the rabbi, oh my daughter, I would send somebody to talk to you. Rabbi gave him knock on the table says, to me, every Jewish girl is my daughter. That's the only difference. Because it's not mine, right? Because it's not my child. If it be my child, it would be a different story. That's what it's all about, to feel that everyone is your child. That's, that's, that's difficult. Mm-hmm. Oh, difficult. What about I know that. Each, I know each, that. What about looking at each person as their, your equal or seeing that they all have the same godly soul or... How you reach to see in everyone that is your child? What Hillel said. The famous line that Hillel said. What Hillel said? The negative version, which is don't do, uh, do don't anything. Hate. Don't, yeah, hate. don't hate. No, he didn't say don't Stand hate. Stand on one foot. Yeah, <laughs> don't the rest do is anything commentary. to someone else that you wouldn't want done to you. Don't do something to another person that you don't want it should be done to you. That's what he said. He said, this is the old Torah, and the rest is commentary. Then the Alter Rebbe in Tanya is asking, how is the rest a commentary to this mitzvah? What does this mean? How is putting on film a commentary to love your fellow Jew? How is it exactly a commentary making a breeze to love your fellow? How could you say that the whole Torah is a commentary? I'm making Kiddush now. How making Kiddush is a commentary to, to love your fellow? Mainly if you say all the, you know, mitzvahs can be mitzvahs between men and men, and mitzvahs between men and God, right? Then there is two categories. Then I understand you can say that all the mitzvahs between men and men are a commentary to love your fellow. They are an expression of it. They are an offshoot of this. Yeah, makes sense. But mitzvahs between men and God? Not to worship idols? This has to do with loving your fellow Jew. I'm taking the lulav on the Sukkot. Oh, this is this will help me to love my fellow Jew. No, I might fight with them. Even. <laughs> Don't push me. It's my my down, my lulav. Everything has to be connected to loving your fellow Jew. Every single mitzvah. Didn't didn't Hillel said? This is the whole Torah, and the rest is commentary. Right? The rest is a commentary to the mitzvah well, of loving fellow Jew. You see that with the Ten Commandments. The, I am the Lord your God. And then really, How is I am the Lord your God? A commentary to, to love your fellow Jew. No, no. To, to the rest of the Ten Commandments, because everything else follows from it. It's, it's, but, and so the, the loving a fellow Jew is the, is the offshoot of the same thing of honoring your parents. And uh, we started off the commentary. Let's discussion. go back to the question. How is putting on, how is putting on film a commentary to love your fellow Jew? How is this helping me? The question in simple English. How is this helping me to love my fellow Jew more? Is that an example for them? No. Why are you putting a film set an example for somebody who doesn't want to put on film? Because no. the more we're connected... He doesn't even know. Because the more I'm become, uh, connected to Hashem, the more I'm connected to Hashem, the more that I'm going to be able to see Hashem and everybody else. Oh, you're getting someone. Love you every mitzvah says to you, says, reminds you, it's not about me, it's about God. What separates me from another person? Me! Don't take my space. He's stealing from me, he's taking from me! It's all about me. What's a mitzvah? A mitzvah reminds you, why I do the mitzvah? 
I put in film. God tells you to put film. But I don't want, it's not about you, it's about what God wants. It's a, your spiritual side is more important than your physical side. That you, that not your physical, your, your ego, ego side, who you are. It's about what Hashem wants for me. My spirit, my, what, my soul, not my body. My neshome, what my neshome need. My godly soul, not my animal soul. That my animal side is being subdued, so to speak. Put down. It's not about you. If it's not about me, I have place for him too. That's what the difference is. Every mitzvah reminds me every day, every minute. It's not about me. I kiss the mezuzah, it's about God. In God's world, there is place for me and for him. In my world, there is no place for anybody. In the spiritual world, you see, money, space. If I'm here, it cannot be here. It cannot be in the same spot. Torah can be for everyone, right? Everybody can share the Torah. My knowledge doesn't take away from me. It doesn't steal away from me, my knowledge. How do you, do you don't know you're stealing a piece of my Torah? There is enough for everybody. Cake cannot be enough for everybody. If you take this chick piece of kugel, I don't have it. Spirituality, there is enough for everybody. It's not, you never short of spirituality. Oh, I can't believe he stole away my secret. I know the toy now. He learned and I cannot, I cannot get it anymore. And you can and he can and he, so everybody have, can. We have to be busy doing mitzvahs. Then the mitzvah not about being busy. The mitzvahs educate you and remind you that it's all about your neshama, not about you. It's about him, not about me. The moment it's about him and he's about him, when I look for man from a, from a body point of view, my body and his body are contradiction. My neshama and his neshama are not a contradiction. Just the opposite. They complement each other. That's why, what's a minion? A minion is bringing people together. Only then you can pray to God. Only when you understand that I need my other, the other person to help me to pray, only then I can pray to God. Then, thereafter, love your fellow like yourself. When can I reach him? The more myself is a spiritual self, the more there is place for another person. And that's what the Alter Rebbe explains. Until the Alter Rebbe, nobody was able to explain how could you reach to love another person like yourself. First of all, the word like yourself, unconditional love, is also something that the Alter Rebbe pointed out clearly in the, in the book Tanya. He has a whole chapter about this mitzvah. Chapter 32. It's lev. Lev, in Hebrew, 32, Lamed Beit is lev. Lev means the heart. The heart of the whole Judaism is loving your fellow Jew. Kedoshim to you, back to the beginning. What means to be holy? What means to be holy? Love your fellow Jew. If you are a true holy man, there is place for everybody. Then if you are so holy, you don't have place for anybody, you better check your holiness. <laughs> That's what means to Kedoshim to you. Love your fellow like yourself. And you can, when I can love another person, then I know I'm holy. If I cannot love, if I cannot find place in my heart for another Jew, then there is far, far, far from holiness. Thank you. Yeah.